Bring your eyes down to chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Speaking of the just. Wow. That's a heavy section of scripture, isn't it? Can you imagine my point of view having to teach a Bible study on this? Man, let's pray about this. Lord Jesus, Lord, we know that your word is good and that all of it is God breathed. All of it is inspired by you. And all of it is profitable. Lord, it is all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness that the man or the woman of God may be fully equipped for every good work. And so, Lord, we pray that you would take these words, as fiery as they may be, Lord, we pray that you would minister them to our souls, Lord, that we may take something home from these things, that these words wouldn't just float around in the air, but, Lord, that we would pack them in our hearts and that they would stay with us and that we may grow and be wise because of them. Lord, we commit ourselves to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Come now, you rich. So, again, who is he talking to? Is he talking to the people outside? Is he talking to um, you know, our government? Is he talking to you know, all the, the billionaires out there? Is he talking to Bill Gates? Is that who he's talking about? No. Who are these rich? These are people in his church. Right? These are people within his church that he's talking to. And, and now, there, there's an area that we have to kind of look at because this is a very strong exhortation to those who are well-to-do, but it's not only an exhortation for those who are very well-to-do. Okay? Because now, there are people who are wealthy and do have quite a bit, but there's also a lot of people who want to be wealthy. Anybody here want to be wealthy? You're like, well, you know, it's better than a sharp stick in the eye. Right? Right? Come on, if you're honest, it's like, how many, if I said, here's a million dollars, how many of you say, no, 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 I really, no, no. Of course you'd take it. Of course you'd want it. Right? So it's an exhortation that's really applicable to both the people who have great wealth and influence and those who would desire to have that great wealth and influence. And what is uh, his exhortation? Beware. Right? That is his exhortation here. Right? He's saying, come now, you rich. Or I would even include those of you who would wish to be rich. Beware. Beware of what? Well, you know, number one is the nature of wealth. In our culture, right? Do people, when you look at people, do you judge them according to the things they wear? Come on now. Yes, you do. Absolutely you do. You see a guy wearing a, a, a bandana tied across his uh, head like that. He's got some sunglasses on, maybe a chain, a gold chain. He's, he's wearing his color, you know, the real baggy. He's got his pants busting like down to here. He's walking. He, he's looking kind of scruffy. And, and, and he comes walking up to you. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, oh, how are you doing? Or are you going to be on guard? You're going to be ready for something. You see another guy, he's all tatted up. He, he gets off this Harley Davidson. He looks like he just got out of prison, right? He's going, wearing the big old boots, and he's got a, a, a shirt that says, you know, like, I don't know, some, like, evil, disgusting, horrible shirt, stuff I used to wear all the time, right? 
like you see that guy walk up to you, you know, are you going to be like, oh, how are you doing? Can you hold my purse for me? Right? No. You're going to get nervous, aren't you? Because we are judges of the outward for sure. We do judge people on what they have and what they wear. And yet, nevertheless, we do need to be aware of that because Jesus actually said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Let me say that one more time. Take heed. That means pay attention and beware of covetousness. Covetousness is when you desire something that somebody else has, like riches. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Right? How often does our society judge us on the things that we possess? Right? Uh, there, uh, there was a, um, like a bumper sticker going around you know, years ago that used to say, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. You guys remember that one? Right, and we think that way a lot, right? We we get into competition with people. It's like, oh, you got the new iPhone, man! You waited in line for ten hours outside of Apple to get that thing, and you paid how much for it? Wow! And it's like, you know what? I got to do the same thing. I'm gonna go tomorrow, right? And off you go, right? We do. We we, we kind of judge ourselves. And it's like, hey, if I have all these things, then people will think I'm good. If if I if I dress the part, then people will think I'm successful and I'm smart. If you know, we think that way. Right, and, and we can even think, how many of you have ever seen, now they portray it on TV all the time, but how many of you have actually met somebody who because they had money, because they had possessions, thought they were something special? They thought like, look at me, and they kind of like talked down to you because they, they talked condescendingly to you because they had money. They thought, oh, my money somehow gives me an authority over you. It somehow gives me something that is above you. It raises me from the, the grime of mere humanity. Have you ever met anybody like that? I have. I honestly have. Right? But see, what Jesus is saying is like, guys, you are not judged. Your worth, your value has nothing to do with the things which you possess. Right? It has nothing to do with those things. He says, take care. He says, beware. Right? Because those things do not, um, those things do not make a man. In Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, he said this. He said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So really, in the end, you can fight and you can work and you can work your fingers to the bone. You can work until your hands bleed. Right? You, you can forsake everything. You can forsake family. You can forsake friends. You can forsake your own life. Right? Your own health. It, you know, to try to acquire wealth, and in the end, even if you attain it, what does it, what does it really, what does it purchase you? What, what, what does it really give you if you lose your soul and you end up in hell? Is it worth it? What, what, was it worthwhile seeking after those things? And the answer is clearly no. And then again, he says he spoke a parable to them, saying, "The ground of a certain rich man yield, yielded plentifully." And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? 
so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. In the end, guys, what is this wealth? What is this thing, this brass ring that so many people give up so much to attain? It's worthless. It means nothing if it is apart from God. Right? In the end, you know, what can it buy you? Can it buy you happiness? Well, Charlie Sheen would say absolutely not. Nope, doesn't buy it. It only bought them trouble. People who win the lottery, guess what they find out? There's a lot of money-grubbing people who come after you when they find out you won the lottery. Right? A lot of, and, and it's like, it almost like takes away all of their peace because now they have it and they didn't really earn it. So now it's like, how do I keep it? And, and, and everybody wants a piece of me and everything. Uh, and it's like, and, and it robs them of their peace. It robs them of their sleep. And, and then 90, I think it's like, was it like 98? I think it's 98% of everybody who wins the lottery is bankrupt within like 10 years or less, right? It's, it's a shocking fact, but it is true, right? So he says, come now, you rich, or you who desire to be rich. See, we need to understand these things uh, about the nature of wealth. But he says, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Now, again, th- th- this is for somebody who has made a God out of money, made a God out of uh, wealth. And Jesus himself said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon was a God of money. He says, if money is your God, then you will burn with it. You guys know that you can't take anything from earth to heaven, right? Right? Nobody gets to take a U-Haul to heaven, right? And even if you did, you know, like really you take all your gold and valuables, it's like, okay, look, it's the asphalt in heaven. So what? Right? It doesn't mean anything, but you can't take any of it with you. And everything of this earth is going to burn. You know that, right? You guys have read the Bible. You've, You've read the end, right? We win. And this whole earth, this whole cosmos, the universe, everything, God is going to, God the Father is going to reveal his face to this creation, right? He's been veiled, right? He has been veiled, but he is going to reveal his face before this creation. And Peter says in 1 Peter, that is, all of the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. They're going to catch on fire. It's going to be a nuclear explosion with every atom in the entire universe. Got it? So in the end... If you make a God out of the things of this earth, guess what? You are going to burn with the things of this earth. That is just a a straight up truth that he is calling to. And that's why he's saying, guys, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. If you have traded God for wealth, then guess what? You're going to go to hell. That is a, a clear, simple truth. He says, do not do that. And then he says, listen to this. He says, your riches are corrupted and your garments <coughs> are moth eaten. Now, what does this mean? Well, as I was praying upon this, as I was pondering this, this verse here, you know, really when, when I think about it, it's like this is what your riches look like to God when you've harmed his children to attain them. Think about it, right? Your riches are corrupted, okay? That means rotten. And your garments are moth-eaten, right? Does God care one bit about the kind of watch you wear? Does he care about the car you drive? Does he care about the kind of guitar you play? Does he care about, you know, like maybe you have a really cool watch, maybe you have a really cool jacket or something like that? In the end, if he looks at those and you have harmed his children for whom he died to attain those things, guess what he's going to see when he looks at that watch, that jacket, that car, that house? It's going to be vile to him. It's going to be disgusting to him. And so if we attain things by cheating people, by fraud and things like that, guess what? God is going to despise them. 
He's going to hate them. It would be like us taking, you know, like rags out of like a dung heap and putting them on ourselves, and that's how he'll see them. Right? That's how he'll see the, 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 the product of our life. He says, your gold and your silver are corroded or rusted, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. <coughs> I don't know about you guys, but that sounds pretty heavy. Right? <coughs> that sounds really heavy. And here's the truth. One day, we are going to stand before God. How many of you guys think about that every once in a while? That one day, you're going to stand before God. <coughs> Excuse me. And if money, or indeed any pursuit, has become our God, it may be that we will be surrounded by our very treasures. Think about that. Right? Because they're going to be a witness against us. And so all of these things that we have accumulated by lying, by cheating, by stealing, by harming other people, in that day when we stand before God, God is going to pile them up before us. Now, it might not be the actual ones, but it might be a likeness of them. Because he's saying these things are going to, they're going to stand witness against you. Right? So God is going to pile up all of your wealth and all of your treasure before you. If you, again, this is if you replace God with these things. And are, are you going to be proud of them? Are you going to be proud, like, Lord, look how shiny I kept the wax on my car. I waxed it every, yeah, I know my kids wanted to play baseball with me, but, you know, I was like, I ah, forget it. And I kept the wax really good, good. It's mint, Lord, look at it. Look at my baseball cards. Lord. You can still smell the gum on them, Lord. Are, are we going to be doing that? No, we're going to be ashamed of them, right? We're going to be ashamed of them, right? This pile of riches above us, when the eyes of the holy God look upon them and judge it against those whom we hurt to attain it, guess what? we are going to be completely and utterly disgusted with it. This pile of treasure is now going to be worthless. Paul said that he counted those things as dung, right? As worthless, as refuse in the eyes of Christ. Athletes, businessmen, politicians, collectors of stuff, it will matter very little in that day in his presence. And then it also seems as though James is saying here, because it says that their, their corrosion will literally eat at your flesh like fire. I don't know about you, but that kind of creeps me out a little bit. But it seems as though James is saying that the very things that people seek after in this life, if they take the place of God in their lives, will be a very personal part of their everlasting torment in hell. Think about it for a second. It's like... Jared and I were talking, he's like, yeah, you know, he he was giving examples of like DSs and things like that. It it would be like, you know, here's just an example to kind of illustrate it for you guys. It'd be like DS was your God, right? It's like, oh, I worship DS. And, or let's say iPads, right? You guys got iPads or iPhones. He's like, oh, I live for my iPhone. Okay, and then there in hell where the fire is not quenched, where the worm does not die, where there is outer darkness, where the darkness is so heavy that you can feel it. I don't know if you've ever been like trapped in darkness for a long time. It drives you mad. And then you have there in your hell, your iPhone. And every time you look at your iPhone, you can see heaven. Can you imagine how that would torment you? Could you imagine how it's like, no, I can't look at it. But then you're in the darkness and the darkness is driving you nuts. So you can't help but to look at it and you're you're drawn to it and it would torment you. It's as though he's saying the very riches themselves are, are, are eating at your flesh. They're part of the torment. They're part of the punishment. You're like, wow. The very things that we long for here, if they replace God in our lives and they cause us to deny God, guess what? They will be, I I don't know, it it seems as though, I can only put it as conjecture, but it seems as though it will be a very personal part of the torment of hell. 
that's kind of scary to me. It makes me want to lay down all of those things and say, forget it. I just want Jesus and nothing else. Then he says, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. You have heaped up treasure. You know, guys, every trinket, every pleasure, every reckless moment we spent on ourselves when our families desperately needed us will be accounted for and piled up about us for our judgment. Right? If we want the stuff, right, you can't take it to heaven. I guess, in a way, you can't take it to hell. Right? Nothing goes to heaven with you, but hey, you know what? All of these things, all of these trinkets that we sold our souls for, God will pile them up around us, and every single one of them will be a treasure for our torment in hell. Right? God will not withhold even one part of that which was so dear to us. And every treasure so valued in life will devour us for all eternity. Wow. Mark 9, 47, 48, Jesus said, And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. And listen, this is where he says it. Verse 48, Where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. Those are Jesus' words. Okay, guys. How many of you are rethinking your desire for wealth right now? Your pursuit of wealth. Your, your lust after wealth. It's like, hey, you know what? There is a wealth that is of God. That is a blessing from God. And if he gives it to you, then amen. Abraham was a, a very wealthy man. Mordecai was honored with wealth. So was Esther. Right? There are many people. Daniel, the prophet, were, were blessed with great wealth and abundance. But you know what? It wasn't something they were seeking after. It was something that God bestowed upon them. God gave it to them, and that's fine. But you know what? If we seek after these things, and, and here, just to give you kind of the idea, um, this is the kind of way that this bad wealth was accumulated. Verse 4, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, so, so your gardeners, right? Which you kept back by fraud. Oh, you know what? You didn't do a good enough job. You know, you, you hit my sprinkler. That's definitely worth $80. So, you, you know, the, this $3 sprinkler, I'm going to charge. I'm just not going to pay you because you did that. Okay? You, you kept it back by fraud. Right? He says, uh, they cry out. He says, and, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. He says, hey, you know, you hold back on these people who are trying to provide for their family and they're poor. They don't have a whole lot. When they pray and say, oh, Lord, help us. God's like, oh, that was, that was you. You did that. He says, and it does come before God. He says, and you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. And I can only think of, you guys remember the story of rich man and Lazarus? Right? Remember that guy? If you're not familiar with the story, write down a little note. It's Luke 16, verse 16 through 31. Right? And in the end, this rich man lived sumptuously. Right? He had all this food and he was eating it and he just had this. And, and even though this Lazarus, you know, he had open sores on him and he was obviously impoverished sitting at the gate of his house. Right? And, and literally he, he had no compassion, no love for him whatsoever. And so what he did, you know, what they would do, they would oftentimes in those days, they would take flatbread, pita bread, right? And, and they would use that as like washcloths and they would wipe their hands with it and they'd throw it to the dogs and the dogs would clean it up. Well, he was throwing it to, to Lazarus as well, right? He considered Lazarus as on an equal par with his dog. And in the end, he went to hell. And Lazarus went into the arms of Abraham and was comforted, right? Guys, it can't be our desire. It can't be our sole passion to live in luxury because you know what? It can destroy us, right? The, the, we can gain so much and then earn a leanness of soul 
Right? It, it, it can corrupt us. It can destroy us. I've seen so many people who they, they turn away from God and turn to the, the, the seeking of pleasure and things like that. And, and so oftentimes it's like for a little while, for a little while they balance it and they're, they're still kind of with God. And they kind of stop going to church and they stop kind of hanging out with godly people. And more and more their friends and more and more uh, the things that they're, that they're about are all about the world and all about pleasure. And soon enough, God is just, a, a, an old distant memory that 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 they don't like because it brings like conviction to their soul and they don't like that i've seen it i've literally seen it with my eyes you know these people to continue on in verse five it says you you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter day of slaughter that's when you're about to have a feast right you go slaughter slaughter the fatted calf and then you have a party right he goes you have fattened your heart you know you, you have made yourself um obese on, on, on the pleasures of the world, right? You, you have just drunk, and this is talking about your spirit, mind you. You, you, you have just, you, you have taken in all that the world has to offer. You know, it's like, oh, Netflix. Ooh, I love Netflix, right? Ooh, and, and my life is, is based on the things that I can watch on TV. Ooh, the, the, the next sitcom, that's, oh yeah, right? You know, there's all sorts of things that, that we can glutton our hearts with, that we can just clog up the arteries of our spirit with. We have to be careful of those things. He says, you have condemned, you have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. Right? You have condemned the just people. You have murdered the just people in order to attain the things that you want. Right? It's basically, you put your desire, your needs, in front of the needs of other people. Right? It would be like us as parents. Right? Us as parents saying, hey, you know what? My kid needs this. He needs my time. He needs my attention. For me, it's girls. Right? They, they, they need me to come and encourage them as they go to dance class. They, they need me to tell them that they're pretty and to tell them that I love them and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, no, 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 no. You know what? Duck Dynasty's on. Leave me alone. Be quiet. Stop talking. I can't stand it when you do that. Be quiet and yell at him. Go to bed. What are you doing downstairs anyway? Right, that's what this is. Right now, that, that's just like with parents, but like obviously employer-employee relationships. You know, there's all sorts of relationships that this can make application to. But you know what? He does not resist you. Can your child resist you when, you, when you're the parent? They can't say anything. But you know, really in the end, you know, this is kind of the conclusion of the matter. Guys, don't concern yourself with your possessions. Don't concern yourself with your pleasures, with the things that you want to spend on your own appetite. But instead, be concerned with the welfare of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Right? That's what he's saying. How do you walk as a mature believer? Well, understand that riches and comfort and pleasure can bring corruption and pain and death. And instead, in their place, as a mature believer of the Lord, as a mature believer in the Lord, you need to concern yourself with others. Right? You need to concern yourself with the welfare of other people. Get your eyes off of yourself. Who cares about you? Right? Stop it. God's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of your every need. Let it go. I talk to myself about that. That's, I, I, I teach these things. Like I said, you know, the Lord showed me the sunset. I'm just trying to explain it to you. And he has convicted me very deeply on this. If you have power or influence over someone, guys, they can't resist you. Therefore, love them. Parents, your children cannot resist you. When they get a little older, they'll, they'll rebel. But young children, they can't resist you. Right? They're under your care. They're under your authority. They have no real will of their own that they can exert. 
So you have a great responsibility. You need to love them. And that word love, it's agape. It means self-sacrifice. Right? You need to die to yourself and live for them. Lay down your treasures for them. Those treasures that you don't want to lay up for the day of wrath, right? Get rid of them. Lay them down. Send them away. Scatter them. Fill their hearts with gladness and bring joy to, the, to our Father in heaven who has given us every good and perfect gift beyond measure, right? Right? It's not about filling our hearts and our needs. It's laying down our lives for others, filling their hearts with gladness and, and bringing pleasure, bring, bringing joy to God. Right? That's what we live for. That's what a mature Christian should live for. Therefore, do not worry, Matthew 6, 31, what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. You know, a lot of people watch Food Network and like, I, I do too, honestly, right? But it's like their whole life can become about like preparing food, right? But don't seek after those things. He says, for all these things the Gentiles or non-believers seek. For your heavenly Father, that's God, knows that you need all these things. But seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Guys, seek first the kingdom. Right? Seek first the kingdom. There are so many rich people. There are so many movie stars. There are so many people who have been lulled to sleep by the, the intoxicate, in, intoxicating glow of TV land. Right? I always joke around. My kids, right, we give them like 20 minutes or so of TV a day. And you know what they do? Like Chloe's the best one. Right? She just like has this zoned out, zombified look because her brain is dead. Right? It's like, I'm surprised she's still breathing. It's like, it's like the anesthetic is so powerful. She's like dead. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And you parents, love your children above your own want and need. You have to, guys. We have to. 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 9, this is what I'm going to close with. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And though that be a very difficult promise, I'm going to say, Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, your word is like a sharp two-edged sword. And Lord, oftentimes we feel cut by it. But Lord, your cut is faithful. For faithful are the wounds of a friend, Lord, and you called us friends because you have made known your will to us. And if a master does not make well make known his will to a servant but lord a friend does and so you have called us friends and so lord though these things are hard to hear and hard to digest lord i pray that you would just speak to us